Security Excellence Through Education, Corporate Security University. Everybody, great that you're here with us listening to uh, Corporate Security University podcast. I am Carlos Francisco. And I'm Scott Walker. And this is Corporate Security University. Security excellence through education. That's right, Scotty. We got it right this time. For everybody who listened to my last podcast, <laughs> I am human and I and I forgot that tagline. I'm I'm glad my partner Scott is back on this we're one. Finally back. I'm back from travel. We're so That's we're, right. we're in the studio almost live. Yeah, the madness, my friend, the madness of our lives, right? And that's what we do. But we do what we do because we want to make the industry better. And that's what it's about today. And I am uh, super excited. Chris Ward is here. And big time, you know, um, Scott, I'm, I'm going, I'm going, you know, I got to do my little investigation, man. And I, I'm going over Chris Ward stuff. And um, man, this guy's been around the block in a couple of times. And I'm sure he's tired, man, of running around that block. <laughs> But uh, today's with the CBRE, man, Supply Chain Solutions Global Lead for CBRE. And we even talked about CBRE having a security company in Texas. I just saw him the other day and I was like, man, you guys have a security company and all this other stuff down there. And But uh, a lot of great stuff. And he comes from Silicon Valley like like you and I, Scotty. Do you remember those those great days of Silicon Valley? I do. I, I know you do, man, you know, and um, but we've had great conversations with them. I don't even want to delay because we can talk forever with Chris. Chris, good to see you, my friend. How are you, Mr. Chris Ward in the house? Thank you. Thank you, man. Thanks for having me on uh, tonight. Really appreciate being here. Welcome to Corporate Security University, man. We, we do a lot of great things uh, when it comes to the education of our business. And, you know, you know that, that we care about this thing more. Than, yeah. than a lot of folks out there. Our goal is not just to make money off of it. It's really to educate, create leaders. We want to create leaders out of this this thing called corporate security and make it a real viable thing where, where people are, you know, that's this is their business, this is their life's work. This is everything that they wanted to do and hope for. I'm a young man that uh, started in the industry as a, you know, as a, at a young age, and this was going to be my life, and this is what it, it came out to be. So I'm glad about it. But let's change the industry today. Let's do some education. Let's talk about it, right, Scotty? Let's do it right. What do you think, Scott? Yeah, I think this is an important uh, topic to talk about. I have a sense of urgency around how we work with our vendor partners. Um, what we were just saying right before we were recording is still true that we can't do this without them. Uh, we need them to accomplish our own goals in our own organizations. And um, they're, they're a vital partner. Uh, with that said, we all need to come to the table and be speaking about uh, the issues much more often than we have. Been. And we really need to, and what I'm hoping we can do here with Chris is bring that to the surface. What are the issues? No BS, no politics. Um, we, I've already said it, we've established vital to our, our existence, but yeah. we're in a world right now that is changing and, and uh, that is stressed and we need our vendor resources and we just don't have them. And what do we need to do? How can we be good partners in bringing that back together? That's what I want to try to figure out today. Yeah. 
and Chris, you know, I, we could go down to the old, uh, tell us about yourself and all that good things. Yeah. But here, here, it's all about education. Look, if you want to go find Chris, Chris Ward on, on LinkedIn, you know, it will make sure that Chris, you're going to be tagged when we put this up. If you want to find out about Chris, you want to reach out to Chris and you want to, you know, go into what he does. We can do that for you. But today it's all about education. That's what we do out here. So let's talk about the situation, Chris, the situation. Let's set the, Let's set this 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 podcast up, man. What is the situation today? What's the situation on, mm. you know, our, our wonderful partner vendors, right? Partners, they're vendors, and we want again to make the the, the industry better. But so how do you see it? How do you see the situation today? I see the you know the the market is in a great deal of flux, high demand. Um, there's been a, a great fluctuation in wage over this. COVID period where, you know, the wages of pre-COVID are gone forever. Um, the demand for really skilled personnel. And even though our industry may say, well, we hire out of an unskilled market, we're, we're looking for skilled folks, whether it's customer service skills, um, professional interaction skills, PC skills, um, security system skills. So high demand. And I think that, uh, you know, the, the old way, our, our partner, supplier partners, old way of dealing with that, they're, they're trying to be creative and find new ways to create and attract folks. Um, certainly raising the wage is, is one way to attack that. But I, re I really feel like that it, it's, uh, it's more of a blended approach. The people need a wage to survive, but it's the opportunity. And what kind of a program are you going to come into? Is it a program that's going to feed you? If you're hungry, you can learn from. And just side note, that's why I like what you guys are doing because it's an opportunity for some of the younger folks that are coming into our industry who may not have a mentor or still searching out that mentor can come to this resource. And, and get some really great information uh, on how to make decisions or things to consider while they're building their program. And then I feel like that participating in that, um, it, it's these leaders of tomorrow in the security industry who have an ability to provide them with a resource and have an impact on them and feel like that we left this industry a little bit better than, than we came into it. Yeah, that's I a agree. great point. Yeah. I agree, Scott. And, 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 you know, that's that's what we work for. That's what yeah. we're working for here. So how do we do it, guys? That's the situation that we're in today. And I don't think it's going to get any better. A couple of things, Scott, that Chris just said, love the systems side of the house. I think that's going to keep on growing. And we just don't have enough people that want to run wires, want to connect uh, back to to uh, the old uh, the old 1120 boards. And I'm going back to, to my Linnell days, mm. you know. Whoa, slow down, everybody. Slow down. Anyways, so... Um, but, I mean, we need more of those people, that's for sure, Scott. Man, how are you seeing it? Well, he, here's um, what resonated with me, Chris, what you're saying was we have a lot of young people in the industry, right? And they, they want to do things with technology. I mean, this is how we're, gonna, we're going to attract them. The, the real thing that I don't think a lot of people, you guys get it, but a lot of people don't put this together is we have younger people that are coming into the industry um, at a lower rate than we have more senior people or older people or baby boomers, let's say, that are leaving the industry. Mm -hmm. So we have a lot of very senior positions open to people who are relatively young in, and not, not in age, but in the industry. 
right? Yeah. Whether you retired from a 30 year career with the FBI or came out of the military after a 20 year career, uh, this is going to be a new career to you and a new, a whole new experience. So we're kind of losing this mentorship, right? The people yeah. that have this legacy experience. And so re really great point, Carlos, when you're talking about, you know, running wires and all these things, like, there, there are people that now in senior levels of, of the industry who have no idea what you're talking about. And, you know, arguably I'll be one, but I'm, I'm going to lean on my investigation side of corporate security right now and be like, ah, wouldn't be me, you know, but yeah, yeah. we, we didn't, now we don't have this, ta the talent pool. It's gone. So what I like, would like to see to your point, Chris, is a, a lot more mentorship happening from more of our senior people. This is something Chris, that I, you, you, I think, sense that Carlos and I are passionate about and, and giving yeah. back to the, this new generation of people, whether they be, you know, young or old as an age, it doesn't matter. They're they're new, relatively new to the, the industry and they need to be mentored. And I think there's a real critical thing right now. We need a lot of our senior people to either stay or continue to mentor. One of the points just to tag on to that too, Scott, great points is that, um, we see, you know, a lot of movement from um, three-letter organizations, people doing three, four, five years and coming into the industry, uh, retired law enforcement coming into the industry, certainly appreciative for their service to to those organizations in our country. But one Amen. of the things that I told, I told Carlos this is that when you see an organization go out and say, oh, here's our new person that was four years of the Secret Service, the first question I ask is that, why didn't the program produce that next person? Is there a program there that develops those leaders of tomorrow? Because that does send a message. If you don't have anyone within the program that's ready to move up or that's being mentored to move up, how can you expect to – now, there's some people that, that say, well, this is what I want to do. I'll just do this job, and I'm, I'm, I'm okay with that. Certainly, there's a certain percentage of folks that are like that. But I think every program has got to – have an element to it that's developing the leaders of tomorrow and giving them an opportunity to sit at the table, listen to the conversations, develop their skill sets, and prepare them for whether it's the next opportunity at their current location or, you know, they could be the Carlos. Carlos is going to retire one day. He's going to need somebody, you know, maybe 20 years from now, 20, 25. Uh, where's that person coming from? In I would I would almost bet just from a little bit of time that I've spent with Carlos, it's going to be there'll be someone within his organization capable of stepping up to that because of that mentorship and that opportunity. And we just need to spread that. We need our suppliers to understand that and participate in it. Um, you know, even our suppliers, we're seeing district managers, general managers coming from those same organizations into this industry on the supplier side, trying to navigate that. And that, you know, Navigating the corporate security life is difficult. Navigating the supplier side, I think, equally difficult um, for those folks because the downline, it's to your point, there's just not a lot of folks that are either staying long enough to move up or are or, or being mentored properly to move up. Well, let's explore that a little bit more, too, sure. Chris. Let's, for, the, for the folks listening, when we talk about our contract security partners or our vendor partners, we use, you know, a lot, those terms are very interchangeable, right? Do you guys, I think you guys agree? Absolutely. How, um, or without attribution to names, who are we talking about? What do they do for us? I mean, I know the answer, but I'm just, you know, like 
No, yeah. I'll, let's explain it like in very basic terms so that everybody can, who's following along is it. Yeah, Chris, if you don't mind, I'll do the proprietary stuff. I spent a lot of years in proprietary, yeah, sure. and Perfect. we yeah, and we mingled on 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 the yoga, you know, you guys side of the house. Yeah. But, and why proprietary versus contract or, or vendor resources? So oh, I'll that's perfect. Yeah, yeah that's perfect. That's perfect. Um, you know, I came from my background has always been uh, proprietary, and we want it to be in house, and it was always going to be in house. I don't think it'll ever change. But you guys have to, to realize that, you know, it was Mickey Mouse, right? Disney World. And I spent a lot of years in that. And those very specific things, Scott, as you were alluding to, that was important to us in order to keep proprietary our own. And a lot of it had to do with we call costumes. So let's just start there. We wanted to make sure that our costumes, a.k.a. uniforms, right, were tidy, ready to go looking 10 eight as we say down in florida right and uh we look proper we look presentable and we look fresh and clean and all of those wonderful things uh that we needed to make sure when our guests came in they felt they were safe that was the first thing what is the look right of the company and we had to be able to decide that on our own and be able to manage that look on our own and a lot of people don't know this but disney has a lookbook. And um, if you ever work for the Walt Disney Company, there is a lookbook, and you must follow the Disney look. That's very important. Mm -hmm. So we, the only way that we could do that is really to manage our own. That was this started there. But the second thing was that customer-centric approach, which you and I, Scott, talk about all the time. What is the future of security? And, and we definitely talk about our trademark, corporate security magic, and all those other things, which is a customer-centric uh, approach, you know, focusing on high liability. Well, how can we do that and maintain that training and understand that customer-centric is our approach when the entire security industry was still stuck in 1955, Cold War, Russian thing, and tanks coming over and all these, you know, like, like we knew what data was. And the data was showing that that was not it. And we were going to get a lot more for our buck if we did the customer-centric approach, right? Mm. And we needed that, and that's what we were going to do. So that's one of the other things. The other thing so, is that with yeah, that ability to control quality, I think, is what we're talking about with in-house versus contract. You felt or the organization felt like we have to control quality. It's the that's, essence of everything. Okay, that's exactly it. Because the quality, right, our customer-centric approach to to really just end end there because I could go forever. You know this. <laughs> <laughs> you know, especially when it comes to Mickey Mouse. Hey, Mickey. That's right. All right. Um, so, you know, that the customer search uh, centric approach to what we everything that we were doing, that was that was key for us and how we were going to lead security and do security to where security is there, but not visible. And at the same time, because they're not visible, somehow people still feel safe. That's what we wanted to to do. Right. Third party vendor, if we were going to go that way, it's a little bit different. And there's a lot of work that has to do in some states, unions and all that other stuff. But I'll leave that up to Chris. Chris, yeah, what do Chris, you think yeah. about on Expand the other side? On that. Yeah, organizations that I'm trying to think of the most generic way, but companies, organizations that are basically a staffing agency, they provide personnel who are licensed and trained and dedicated to the efforts or engaged in protecting or security work, so the detecting, the deterring, the reporting of incidents uh, for their clients. And um, uh, like Carlos was saying, in some faith there's licensing, some are union, some are non-union. Um, but this industry 
multi, multi-billion dollar industry around the world, uh, folks engaging uh, in providing these services where, where these organizations go out and find people and assign them to their client's site uh, where they will undergo some uh, on-site training before they engage in those protective efforts. And I think one of the challenges is from proprietary day one ownership. I'm there. To your point, there's a lookbook. There's an expectation. I'm an employee. I am a direct representative of this organization. When you go to the temp staffing or the staffing model, uh, I'm here today. Maybe I spend one day here and I'm one day there. Uh, it's hard. They, a lot of folks struggle with identity. Am I a, am I, you know, this guy? Am I the site guy? And quite often in my experience over the years, what it comes down to is how they're treated at the organizations where they work. Uh, you could go to organization number one and before I could start work, maybe there's 40 hours of training. But maybe at organization number two, there's only eight hours. Which which one am I going to take more serious if I'm coming into it? Uh, quite often, the pay greatly fluctuates um, with organizations, um, depending on um, the requirements. Uh, all of them, in some places, I may just sit in a chair or a lobby. Others, I may sit in a control room or conduct patrols or maybe enforce company policies like uh, probably pretty common in the industry is is uh, identification and badging requirements. Most companies have a requirement for uh, how you would display your ID, and a lot of security officers, that's their first way of knowing, do you belong or do you not belong? Uh, should I engage or not engage? Um, so, so, yeah, I think ownership is one of the, the key things, and that's got to come – that is where a true partnership begins between – the, the entity or the company receiving those services and the company providing it. What do we want this person to do? What do we want them to know? And how are we going to make them feel like they are part owners in this program? In your guys' experience, where would you see the our, I, I know the answer, but for our folks listening at home, where do you see vendor experience and skill level? Are you, would you see or have you seen and, might be subjective, a vendor come in and take over the top security job in a company and be like, I'm the director, I'm the head of security for a company. Or what, do you see them providing, you know, kind of what we would call line officers or the first line officers, uniform officers, uniform presence? Um, what are you guys seeing? There's, there's a couple of things that I wanted to add. Chris, what you said, it was great. Outstanding stuff. You know, it's funny because now on the other side, highly working with the third party vendor uh, more than ever before, because before mm -hmm. we worked with them, but it wasn't it wasn't my bread and butter. Like now it's become my bread. But there are some things, Chris, that I do love about our vendors that are important to me. And that is, look, I don't have to deal with HR issues in my prior mm -hmm. life. I had to deal with a lot of HR issues. I don't have to deal with anything that has to do with benefits or any other issue. Yeah. That's 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 a way. Any any problems that I have workplace violent workplaces, not my problem anymore. And mm. somebody else's problems, right? So a lot of that though ultimately it costs, you know, I, I'm gonna say a meager difference in between a one meager. and the other. 
a meager difference between one and the other. I, I no longer have to worry about that. Now, from what you were saying, Scott, how do I feel about – look, I still think that certain positions need to be FTEs, full-time employees from my company because they have to make decisions – that will change the stock placement. You know, the board is going to be upset somehow, some way, shape, or form decision that I made. And if I'm the VP, security, uh, chief security officer, whatever the case may be, I need to make sure that I can hold some people accountable for that. Uh, I always said that we were insurance. And what I mean by holding people accountable for decisions they made out in the field, I think everybody should understand that. And if you're in our industry and you don't understand that you are insurance, then we should probably talk about that a little bit further um, more than that. But I think there are positions for higher leadership in, in the chain of command. And I don't have to have all FTEs uh, all the time. I think there are great operators out there that are willing to step up and actually go to my FTE meetings that are very operational driven and do a tremendous job, right? Because they're my partners and I believe that they're my partners and I care about them because they're my partners and do really, really well in those meetings and represent me well. But the companies have to do this. My mission should be their mission. I know they have their own mission, but if my mission ain't their mission, then it becomes really hard. If their leadership ain't feeling what I'm feeling and operating, I'm operating because they don't know my mission. My, and we, Scott, leadership one, leadership two, right? And Corporate Security University. If they don't know my mission, my vision, and my keys, the keys to how I'm operating, then they can't operate with it. They're, they're not partners. I'm blocking them from doing those things. There are definitely positions they can do it. I'll give it to Chris. But there's amazing folks out there in our industry that can take it. We're afraid as leaders to give them that opportunity. I'll leave it there. That's a great point, Carlos. And I think I agree with you 100%. I think what we see, if we looked at the data, Scott, I think we would see traditionally folks on the supplier. It's just just to generally categorize supplier. When I say supplier, I mean a, a person who works for an organization that supplies security personnel. I think we don't tend to see a lot of those because on the corporate side, there's exceptions, obviously. Uh, when we see, when we look at the corporate side positions and how they're being filled, I'm seeing that law enforcement, um, government law enforcement, CIA, FBI, all of those guys, and military folks going into that. But the supplier side guys tend to stay in that that current, if you will, of the supplier yeah. side. It's not working out here, and I'm a general manager for supplier A. Well, I'm going to take that experience and leverage it for general manager or maybe area VP for supplier B and they tend to, because that piece of business is so focused on the the supplying of personnel and then the wage rates and the bill rates and how that business makes money. You get really good at that. For the longest time, it was the great secret. What's the bill rate? What's in the bill rate? Yeah. I, I don't know. And no one knew you had to go to a special class, uh, maybe an operations university, or someone had to kind of earmark you, hey, you're going to move up and we're going to, uh, we're going to start to teach you how the business, you know, Congress, we'll show you. Right? So, uh, and then in later years, some of the big, bigger organizations as learning management uh, systems online develop, there would be courses on budgeting and how that finance system works from their side which is quite different than the corporate side. Uh, so it, I do agree with Carlos. It is much easier, no HR, no recruiting. Uh, things don't work out, uh, the, no separation anxiety. Uh, there's much easier ways to go down that route. However, I think what happens is um, 
man, we go through so many people trying to find the one. Yeah. And it sometimes it becomes exhausting um, if the supplier isn't in line with the program, doesn't understand your mission, doesn't understand your keys. And every, every supplier out there has got a person who, who that's their job is to understand. But uh, I don't know. I don't, I think that they still struggle with that sometimes to, to get where you're going so that I can give you what you need. Um, And the classic example of that is that from uh, just my opinion, and I would say this to our suppliers as well as you guys, um, there is a difference. When it comes to recruiting, in recruiting, targeting, recruiting, and filtering, lots of fish and all the big fish, the fish that aren't too small to slide through the net, get into the net, and we'll just figure that out. And certainly one of these fish will fit Carlos. He'll, He'll want one of these fish without any regard to, well, I'm looking specifically for this. Carlos may say, I want, I want a bass. Well, I know this is not a bass, Carlos, but this is a carp. In the, we'll train the carp to be a bass for you, uh, which doesn't always work out. They are delicious. They are delicious, by the way. Yeah. Let me tell you something, man. Um, <laughs> I'm sorry, Scott. I'm just jumping on here because, go ahead. you know, I've always tell a lot of people, Chris, when I, when I go around, I, I do some chats and stuff, and, and Scott has the same opportunity. You know, we talk about, one of the biggest mistakes that companies make, and they're always worried about the physical security risk. There's a, how about the risk of, how the hell do you hire? How about the risk of who you hire to do the job that you do? We've seen stuff where people hire people that are not even licensed in the state. We see stuff where people, they're, they're hired, they, they don't even request on their the statement, uh, the master statement, you know, to make sure that everybody has some kind of a background uh, check. You know, we, uh, like hiring the same people and then go further to what you said, hire the same pick, uh, people to have the same culture that you do. Hire the same people that, that can focus on what is more important to you as a company. And we talk about the customer-centric approach often. Hiring those people that have those kinds of training and background and understanding of your business and are willing to mm-hmm. go around and, and not only do the 40-hour state-mandated license stuff, which I'm, I'm all good about, Chris, but really focus on me and my business. Ask me what the hell my partners care yeah. about and then go train your officers on that, Chris. This is what I'm talking about, man. And I think I think that's kind of what you meant, you know, by yeah. hiring the right people, man. And I, I believe I believe he was right, Scott. I do, man. Yeah, wasn't that right when you just said a minute ago? Isn't that part of the, the uh, Corporate Security University craziest thing I ever heard podcast? That's ongoing. So I want to sign up to to be on that podcast because I got some crazy stories too. Uh, but you're absolutely right. Uh, knowing what you want out of the staff, what your expectations are, and communicating that day one. Um, and you know your organization that that you work with now, Carlos, has a reputation in the industry. Um, if if I were to get someone, if a supplier sent me a person, and that person said, well. You know, I used to work over at the same place Carlos works at. There's a whole separate expectation I have because I know what it takes. And I've seen the example uh, through visits of what it takes to be a security staff member, a contract security staff member over at that organization. So we just got to figure out a way to unify that to where each organization, the differences that they understand that this is this program. Here's the expectations. Here's how we're going to train to it. Here's how we're going to measure to it. 
And then, you know, the one thing that a lot of, at least the procurement folks I want to talk about is um, this is how we're going to compensate our team. And, you know, the corporate security manager has a role in that conversation. And that's an important part to play uh, to understand how that number comes to be and not just leave that to the supplier to figure out. Because that supplier needs some input from you as a corporate security manager to say, okay, hey, this is this is what the market, what does the data tell us? What does the market say? Where do I need to be to, to attract the best? Okay. Um, and then start there. Yeah, that's it, Chris. So what do we do? What's the action? What are, how are we going to change the industry? How do we do it? We're doing it right now, man. Yeah. <laughs> right here. But what do we do? What do we do? I, I'm, so I'll, I'll kick it off. I'll kick it off. Okay. Right? We have to, to understand that um, we need contractors. Contractors need us if that's the direction we're going to go, right? If we're not doing proprietary stuff. And when we do, we have to tell them exactly what we want, when we want, how we want it, and then be able to work with them through the process, understanding that they're all humans, and humans make mistakes, oh. and that, but we're willing to stick with them throughout the entire process because when I was doing the from the RFP all the way through the interview, all the way through me choosing you and all the way through breaking down the statement of work and how we were going to train our people and how we were going to pay you and not pay you, right? For me, on the other side, is pay people well. Yeah. Don't 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 allow the companies to just damn uh, like oh who's the cheapest company yeah that's who I want because now you're not right. giving them any any because you talked about the nickel the nickel thing that's how much you're making uh, per hour right and a lot of people don't understand it it's true it's true most of the industries like that is because we have beaten them down to do that but if I want real qualified people that are willing to be trained and you know I have to think about those things so I'm gonna kick it off there what else do we need I'm you know Scott what else do we need Scott where I think we could go, I mean, I totally agree with you. Salary is is tremendously important. Benefits, we need to really be monitoring those things. I mean, you, both you and I in our career, we've talked about this before. We've, we That's always been an, a priority for us, for our contract partners. Take care of the folks that are going to be protecting this place at 2 o'clock in the morning. Because if you're not and they fail, it's I'm going to be the one who's who's got to go before uh, the call to the carpet, right? I think for me, it's uh, what's the differentiator for you vendor partner that makes you different than anybody else. And we know, we all know that the list of vendors is really short. This is when we talk about guard force, it's really short. So what makes you different? Is it, the, is it your culture? Is it the way you teach people? You know, are you embracing corporate security magic? You know, what mm. makes you how are you a differentiator in the industry? And um, I'm not talking about like, oh, well, we send our, we, we have an employee that we pick every year and we send them on an all expensive paid vacation. Like uh, that, that, cause I know that's only a small part of what you do. It, it better, I'm gonna take a deep dark look at your culture. And by the yeah. way, because the list is so short, most of us who are in house, we know what's oh, going yeah. on. And like what you said, Chris earlier, like uh, the secret sauce is not secret. We know what yeah. we've talked to our partners. We know what you're, you're billing them. They know what we're getting billed. Yeah. The secret's out. So let's cut all the, the sales magic BS that doesn't work, by the way, because you can't sell the unsellable. So let's get past that. We're all professionals. I want you to make a profit because if you don't make a profit, by the way, and you go out of business, 
or you're going to be chasing the nickel down the road to some other uh, client that that's going to take you, the best officers or the best staff out of my uh, contract. So with that said, what makes you different and not different yeah. like kooky? What makes you different? That's such a powerful statement, Scott. And I think that there's data there. I mean, if we were able to go back and pull the data, retention data, uh, if we were selling a widget, we'd be focused on things like customer acquisition fee, right? But in this business, how many folks do you retain when the contract changes? And the retention rate speaks to the journey that a person is on, a man or a woman is on when they join an organization. And is that a journey that's provided by the supplier? Or is it a journey that's provided by the client? But that's where the person stays. Well, the client cares for me. I interact with the folks at the client more. They appreciate me. They they uh, have programs that recognize me. And so you got to be involved in your employee's life. And it's hard sometimes for the, the the staffing agency, the supplier, because there's some there's some distance and there's some separation. So the differentiator is the people, the journey. What are you doing to invest in your people? Why is it important for them to stay employed with your organization? The day that a supplier could lose a contract and every one of its employees stay with the supplier, that will be making a statement in the industry. And I've only seen one or two in my long career where that has happened. Um, but that's really profound. So, yeah. There's a lot of stuff to cover in I mean, yeah, that's yeah. what I'm saying. Pow powerful stuff, man. That we can, that could, you know, we can probably go on forever and ever and ever. Sure. And, and oh my God, man, this, this is it. But, but you know, it's one. It's not easy to change an industry that's been around forever and ever and ever. Doing, you know, what I believe to be. This is just me, by the way. And then, if you look at my last presentation that I did at Data Center World, really, it's the. Uh, I'm trying. I'm trying to change. The idea that we're still in 1955, some weird Cold War stuff, and, and we're not really um, protecting the people that are involved in this industry as a whole, and, and they're seen as second-class citizens, right, including myself at times in my career, uh, and even, you know, possibly in, in the boardroom and everything else, right, because we're a second thought, and we all know here in this room today that if budgets get you know cut, uh, there, there's an opportunity that we're going to be that we're going to be it regardless of what it is how do we change it and how do we make it better and how do we how do we just make sure that we're a value add to everything that we do it doesn't matter to me if you're a third party i used to call them third party vendors uh in, in my old mickey mouse days but if you're a contract guard force or, or me proprietary how are we how do we stay relevant how do we do the right things how do we care about the business and change what we're doing today that is the key, Scotty and Chris. That's it. Listen, yeah, there's no way. There's no way we were going to get, you know, any yeah. further than this. Sorry, gents. Sorry about that. No. But um, I do appreciate it. Chris, any last any last uh, words, my friend, for all the folks out there as we, as we try to, to change this industry slowly? Well, I will do my best to promote and let as many folks as I can know about what this endeavor that you and Scott are in, uh, certainly available to participate and chat with you guys. Just love hanging out with you guys. And I commend you for what you're doing to educate, not only as this podcast was evidence of, not only the corporate security side of it, but the, the contract side of it as well, to educate those in our profession 
to help them in their endeavor to make this industry a better industry. So thank you for all that you guys do. Really appreciate it. And uh, if I can ever be of assistance to either one of you, please let me know. Happy to help, man. Yeah, I, th- I think uh, we we probably need to have a second podcast on this, Carlos. Sure. We, we came close to understanding it, but there's more we can do. Yeah, I, I think so. I think so too, man. Then we almost have to have a roundtable, Scotty. We got to figure yeah. out. Uh, let's let's set up another one of those um, the, the security breakfast breakfast club. Breakfast club. <laughs> the breakfast oh, club. I love that. Yeah. Oh, Chris Chris said it. He loved it. Oh, so, I love you it. know. I mean, that was, that was really good stuff. And uh, we probably could have gone on even on the, the, the breakfast club a couple of times for, for hours. So, um, but that's what it's about, everybody. That's, that's what we're here for, you know, corporate security university. When Scott and I put this thing together, it wasn't just to be some kind of security contract guard force, uh, state mandated 40 hour classroom put yeah. together for officers. We love them, but it was more than that. It was about leadership and changing leadership approaches and what we're doing today to make our industry better every single day. And, um, and that's that's where it's at. That's where it's well, at, Scott. Yep. Like like I told you, man, I mean, I, I get – I wouldn't say numerous. I get opportunities to participate in different projects. And there's a couple of guys that are out there, you know, with the uh, hiredexpert.com. And, you know, call us and we'll get a security expert to you. There's some probably some value in that. Um, but out of everything that I've seen, there's a lot of special operators in the space right now, uh, security consulting. And there's some good guys and they're all trying to do something a little different. But um, the, the biggest thing they're struggling with is the monster, the monster that's the soldier. You got to keep that guy in the closet because that's, <laughs> it's hard to be customer centric and be the monster. Now, if there's a guy yeah. running around the site with an AK, then be the monster. Hmm. But outside of that, you can't, you can't, you can't be the monster. So, um, I'm happy to to be engaged with you guys to participate in whatever level that you need because I think this is important. And uh, in addition to the stuff that you're doing on the side, the the the, the monetized part, which I think is is great too. To you know, I can tell a guy, hey, call this guy, call this guy Carlos for an hour. He'll come sit down with you. He'll listen. He'll give you some good guidance. Um, yeah, I, I love that piece. And, you know, in my organization, there's there's tons of opportunities where a guy that's not in the industry, but it's like a facility manager, you know, and he's got a guard staff. And he, within our org, he would reach out to me. Um, but quite often, like especially in the property management space, they want some kind of outside consultation and they can get it and you're at a price point where they can get it. I got no issues with them reaching out and talking with you guys. And if I can promote that, I will. Absolutely. So did we pay you for that, man? That was, that was <laughs> nice. <laughs> no, what I, no, what I do, you know, my path is similar to you. Uh, I create the need. I demonstrate yeah. the value. And then what happens is the magic happens. Then you're hooked. But if I'm making it better, I'm making this industry better. And I just feel like that. I don't know. It's like we did something. Yeah. We're going to do the grind. We're going to worry. But if we just made it better, then uh, just like I told you with the issue you were talking about earlier, if if I can tell somebody, hey, there may or may not be somebody coming on the market that's available. And if you get the opportunity, you'll scoop this person up. But don't call the person if you're trying to lowball. And don't yeah. do it. 
That's not yeah. the, that's not the time to do it. This is an opportunity for you to get great experience in leadership and somebody who's been in a quality program. Can't put a price on that. I, Chris, I love I, you. All right, man. I love you. And I agree. We could talk about this forever, but, but I got to cut it here. Yeah. And um, Scott, great, great time. Great time. Yeah, just talking over some stuff, man. Um, you know, Scott, one of the things that I love about corporate security adversity is that we surround ourselves with uh, real people that are yeah. in, in the business and um, they care about the industry and what we do. And that, and that's what it's about, bud. And yeah, I, I'm, I'm happy that, that we're involved in this venture every single day and um, then we're going to continue on. But um, everybody listen up, listen up for some other podcasts. If we do, we try to do this every single week, but you know, we, uh, we have our real jobs and we are humans. We are humans. And, and we, sometimes we do fail at getting everything out every single week, but everything that you're going to hear from now on, uh, well, actually, since day one, it has really to do with the industry and to educate a little bit about what we do when we do how we do it. And uh, we're just glad that you're here listening up to us. Please um, forward, forward this podcast to everybody else that you, you know, that that's in the industry out there. And uh, it's free, right? You're free. You just throw in uh, your email out there and all you're going to get is an email saying that, hey, a new a new podcast is out, which I hope that you want to listen anyway. So you're probably checking in as often as possible. But um, but that's it. We got a bunch of courses uh, in leadership. Some for the transition folks that are transitioning out there. Scott and I uh, have worked hard on uh, the customer centric approach to uh, corporate security uh, magic. And if you're interested in that, uh, if you're a corporation today trying to get uh, more of that customer centric approach, because I think we need it, let us know and we'll talk to you about all those wonderful things. But um. But that's it, Scott. So uh, I, I'm I'm Carlos Francisco. I'm Scott Walker. This is Corporate Security University. Security excellence through education. All right, everybody. Take care, and we'll catch you next time. Bye bye. Thanks, Chris. Security Excellence Through Education, Corporate Security University.